This episode of the Pickwick Society podcast discusses topics such as domestic violence and abusive relationships. Viewer discretion is advised. It doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. Oh, 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 oh my gosh, were we recording? No way. Well, I mean, like, that was kind of perfect because we're what? talking about Ken today. No way. Are we actually? Yeah. We didn't <laughs> plan that at all. No, of course not. Of course not. Um, welcome, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the second episode of the Pickwick Society podcast. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, who listened to the first one. Um, we are very, very yes, grateful for you, and we're so excited to continue this discourse. So, yes, 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 we are. Yes. And if you didn't already gather from our song... We were talking about <laughs> we were talking about Ken today mm-hmm. because we talked about Barbie in our first episode mm-hmm. and we're continuing with Barbie just because there's a lot to talk about in that movie. Yes. So this is kind of like Ken's episode mm-hmm. that we'll be covering today. Yeah. So if you didn't listen to the first episode, please go back and listen mm-hmm. to it. Or if you can't be bothered, I'll just recap <laughs> it really quickly here. We basically talked about the Barbie movie that came out earlier this summer, which is an incredible film by Greta Gerwig produced by Margot Robbie. Yeah. And we talked about feminism, Barbie's experience in the movie, and just kind of our impressions of the film and of feminism and just all of that. So today we are going to be talking about Ken. So first off, what's your name? My name is Megan. And I'm Kaylee. So we are your hosts of the Pickup yeah. Pod. Um, yeah. And <laughs> um, that's us. And you can find out. Yeah. yeah, you can learn more about us from the first episode or from our um, Instagram mm-hmm. socials. So... Um, first off, we wanted to talk a little bit about Ken. What was your first impression of Ken in the movie? Well, my first impression was before the movie when there were those weird publicity pictures of Margot and Ryan on roller skates in (laughs) Venice Beach. And I said, what is this for? And I said, the Barbie movie. And then I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. I don't know if that's going to be like the cartoons that I grew up watching or if it's going to be something completely different. But I was like, really... A little bit surprised that Ryan Gosling was cast because he mm-hmm. is, I don't mean to sound mean, but I was like maybe expecting someone younger. Yeah. But then past being superficial, seeing him in the movie, I was like, he's perfect. Mm-hmm. He understands the role that he took on, made it his own, and I loved it. That bleached hair, Mama. That was yes. so, that was such bleached an interesting choice. Moment. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, and my favorite story is like, I think he said that he chose to be Ken when he saw like a Ken doll like lying in the mud yes, face down there's or a picture of it you can find it and he was like that that's is his, Ken he that's, has a story yeah that's and his I story need to tell it <laughs> yeah and literally amazing like, that's incredible yeah what um, was your impression I loved it so much like you I was kind of like okay like I just I didn't really care that much because I was like I I was like okay it's just a Ken story and Ken and Barbie and I was like, I like Ryan Gosling as an actor. I think that he's yeah. cool. Um, yeah. And seeing him in the pink and the bleached hair, I was like, this is going to be interesting. It's but then I remember seeing that one promo where he had, like, the denim vest and, like, was shirtless yes. and ripped. It's the Mojo Dojo Casa House. Look. Yes. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, like, what? I was like, that's a Kendall. Oh. That's a Kendall. Yep, very that's nice. a Kendall. <laughs> that's very nice. Good, good job, sir. Yeah. So um, I think we both collectively loved it. Mm-hmm. We are we approve of that casting decision and yes. his... his um, 
decisions as an actor. Yes, and even though Ken makes a lot of questionable choices in the film, I couldn't stay mad at him for too long because he was so, like, his comedic timing, Mm -hmm. Ryan's comedic timing is so perfect. And facial expressions, Mm -hmm. His timing with Margot and, like, my, I love the scene where he's, like, like, by myself, and she's like, Ken! Yeah. Like, just go, just go walking, but don't go too far, and he's like, okay! Yeah, and then watches her as he's walking. Yeah. (laughs) It's perfect. He's just, like, a little toddler for a lot of the film and his, and his behavior and I just, I was in giggles. And even though some of the stuff that he did, I didn't really want to giggle at. I ended up giggling yeah. because Ryan was just that good. I think so. that's a good segue into, like, what we're going to talk about is kind of just what he does at first. Mm-hmm. Like, what he does through the movie. Yeah. Because um, he kind of has his own journey through the film. Like, mm-hmm. how we talked about uh, Margot Robbie's Barbie Mm-hmm. Robbie and Barbie. Barbie. It's hard to say. Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> they go on very two yeah. separate journeys through the film. Yeah, but Ken definitely starts off just wanting to impress Barbie, mm-hmm. which is part of that comedic timing we see mm-hmm. right away. And, like, we, I think it's kind of established early on, like, oh, okay, this is their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the whole, like, line, too, where it's like, Ken only has a good day if Barbie looks at him. And it's like, all right, we get the, the picture. We get the here. gist, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really cute. I was like, okay, like I like I, the, I like it. that's a good, I think that's a good way to introduce it. Yeah. Um he starts off very just um wanting attention mm-hmm. from a, from my perspective and my view. Um he picks fights with other Kens as yes. we see like in the whole like I'll beat you off Ken uh-huh. like scene. <laughs> um and I think that that's an interesting indicator of an alpha male type of response, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how he starts off the movie. That's your first impression of Ken, mm-hmm. is that he wants to be noticed by Barbie. Notice me, Horton. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> wants to be noticed by Barbie, and he also is really competitive with the other Kens, yes. specifically. Um, when Barbie decides to go to the real world, he begs to let her, to, for her to let him come. She does. Well, and, actually, he stows away. Well, mostly. true. And then, but then she once, says, we're yeah, not turning around. <laughs> once they're in the car, she's, it's like, fine, like, you can come. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. And they get to the real world and he loves it. He is having yes, he a does. time of his life. He gets to wear whatever he wants and is praised for wearing whatever he wants and for his choices. Even when they're at the jail, I remember. I think I remember there's like a scene where the cops are like, I think they're objectifying Barbie. Yeah, it's a really quick little comment or something. And but then with him, they're like, nice hat. Yeah, you really something like, like your nice hat. hat or nice denim or something. But for like her, that. it was like, oh, like she's showing too much or like she's not wearing enough or something, something it's like something that. Like it's something even like. I mean, we're not talking about Barbie, but it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he's pretty much allowed to go anywhere without getting in trouble. He wanders mm-hmm. off a lot through the film. So even though Barbie has, like, this goal of trying to find her person who's playing with her, yeah, Ken quickly loses sight of that goal. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go on my own adventure. I'm going to go wander off, which does lead to some issues because he observes, he a lot of things. observes things. And what, is, what does he observe, Meg? Well, I just think it was a great cinematography point to just like have it be like a montage of like all these things that he's seeing but he sees like Jim Bros walking out of the gym he mm-hmm. walks into like I don't remember exactly it's like a business it's building. like a business or whatever and he's like seeing <laughs> like um 
I mean, obviously the men that are like around there, there's one comment on like how one of those men is speaking to like a female assistant or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's like, and I mean, there's like montages of horses. We're getting the idea that he's linking patriarchy to horses and <laughs> men, <laughs> strong men with horses and the strength comes from the horses. So we'll mm-hmm. talk more about that later and how like that I- identity of patriarchy is like what he's beginning to pick up on. So he's seeing how it's a very male centric mm-hmm. kind of place and he's not used to that yes because he's because from barbie land. barbie land and barbie land is female centric yes. but i i remember thinking at this point of the film i knew that there was something coming i remember mm-hmm. feeling that sense of not like sense of danger but like do you know what i mean where the like conflict had to where show you up. knew that something something is going to happen because yeah. things are going too well for ken and yeah. not well for barbie mm-hmm. and he's learning all of this new information it's like oh what's he gonna do with it but yeah. because of the whole oh so patriarchy equals horses thing made me still laugh and so it was it was a really interesting choice to continue using that comedy because I think it helped um disalarm if that's even a word um a bunch of audience members because at that time I was still like enjoying it and Mm -hmm. I was still like this is so funny I love this yeah um before it got really real very quickly um that's a good way of putting it yeah and so ken is obsessed with patriarchy is obsessed with horses obsessed with the male-centric dynamic and decides to go back to barbie land on his own and just leaves barbie just hanging and (laughs) i remember he even like bosses around some lady at like the school or something um when he goes to tell Barbie about it, and yeah, Barbie's like, I don't... lady asked for the time, and yeah. she's like, oh, you again. And he says, he does say something. But he tells but... her, but, he, like, she tells him or something, and he's like, oh, you listen to what I say. You respect me. Yeah. That's what he says. <laughs> and I and she's like, well, I don't know if I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, she's kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So then we have Ken bringing patriarchy back to Barbie land, and Mattel doesn't really give a damn if yeah. what he does. Like, and I thought, I want to, like, add... To that, because when I first watch it, um, it's that scene where Will Ferrell's, like, in his room, Mm -hmm. and, like, Barbie's like, oh, but, like, you're trying to send me back. Ken is on the loose. They're not worried about it, and they literally say, we're not worried about him. And at first, Mm -hmm. I thought that was supposed to be more of a meta response to saying that Ken's not that big of a deal. Barbie's the big deal, and I think it is. That's what they made it seem like in the trailer. Yes. But then, upon seeing it a second and then a third time and just thinking more about it, I also realized that it was a group of men saying they weren't worried about this man going and deciding to bring like male-centric ideas because Mm -hmm. obviously it favors them Mm -hmm. and that that was more of a underlying message or maybe it was like more prominent for other people when they watched it but that kind of dawned on me later and I was like oh that double meaning is really interesting there is there because there is a huge double meaning and I think um women are more likely to be called out on their mistakes by men Mm-hmm. Um, men are not as likely to criticize other men. Like, um, mm-hmm. say there's a comedian who makes a really bad joke, like a DV joke or something mm-hmm. like that. Typically, the ones who leap to their defense are men and fellow men. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, like, maybe that's not what he meant. Like, you don't know about that. Yeah, or if there's, like, say a brawl that happens in, like, a football game mm-hmm. and, like, the team and you're like, wow, like, that that's really violent. Like, they're not a good person. Mm-hmm. And say it's your boyfriend's favorite player. And he's like, well, you don't know anything about him. Like, they're more likely mm-hmm. to leap mm-hmm. to the defense of um, a male who makes a mistake versus 
with a female Mattel specifically and Will Ferrell they were all like no like we you we care too much about you you need to maintain perfect Barbie standards you need to you're representing Mattel you're representing all women see her as symbolism you are a doll and we can't let you mess up our image so yeah it was about money too mm -hmm, it was about money we can't let you mess up our image we need you to go back in your box and stay pretty stay in the box because if you're out of the box then we can't control you anymore mm-hmm. yeah. versus with ken they're like eh, whatever he's fine he's another man he's he's probably doing something really great yeah um, and it adds to the comedic relief of like ken kind of just like being off doing his own thing but it goes deeper than yeah. that um and for those of you listening right now there's kind of like that controversy with matt reif the comedian so he got a he was a he was kind of an up and rising comedian star um i actually really liked a lot of his comedy specials i thought that he was really funny um, and he got a Netflix special and he said a DV joke in the very beginning of, of his Netflix special. Um, and then he blamed the joke not landing on the audience. He talked on a podcast about like just women and shaming body, body types on women. He talks about how much he thinks that women who like astrology are stupid mm. and yet he believes in ghosts. And thinks that that's so cool. It's a double. It's a double, double standard. Is yeah. hypocritical, and that's just kind of what I mean. Is there's there have been a lot of women who have risen up and been like, "Hey, Matt, that's not cool," mm-hmm. and there have been other men who are coming to his defense and saying, "Like, no, 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 like that was funny. You just didn't get it. You yeah. just don't get it." And that honestly, okay, sorry, I'm getting heated. <laughs> but my least favorite phrase is, "It was just a joke." Yeah, I heard that so many times in my past relationship and I just I, you hear it all the time where it's like wow girls can't take a joke yeah we do hear that a lot. women can't take a joke like it and it doesn't even matter what it's about it could be yeah. about domestic violence it could be about some a girl's looks it could be about anything but the minute we voice that we're uncomfortable especially if the man has a fragile ego and fragile masculinity their response is you can't take a joke yeah. And I'm like, why are we to blame mm-hmm. for you telling an inappropriate joke and yeah. no one ever commenting on it? Because it's like, that's when I get the, to the point of, oh, you've done this before and no one's ever remarked on it. Yeah. You've probably said this type of thing before in front of other men or in front of your family and yeah. your family doesn't see a problem with it and your and your friends don't see a problem with it. So you've never been corrected on this yeah, behavior. It's about who's responding to these jokes and mm-hmm. what they're learning or not learning about who it might be offending and how it might just be incredibly harmful because if people are laughing at those jokes yeah. and they've never not been laughed at when you come across someone who doesn't laugh at it. And they're able to offer, if they are a woman or someone who identifies as a woman, they're able to offer their viewpoint on how that is offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, ideally, that person, man or fem- maybe female too, would be like, oh, I need to like reevaluate how this joke is landing and whether or not I can blame that on mm-hmm. the people listening to it or if there's something wrong with the source material. And right. like, I think maybe Matt Rife has something to learn about that. Hopefully Agreed. he is with all of this Agreed. happening. But it's just like, and it's not to say that women don't make out-of-pocket jokes. No. We do. And it's... <laughs> everybody every, does. Everybody does. And I think we need to normalize apologizing instead yeah. of being defensive. Yeah. Because, like, th- what do we gain from being defensive? We gain yeah. maybe a momentary sense of satisfaction. Uh-huh. And then, Self-preservation. And then you watch as your, like, your 
personality or whatever, like, it tanks very quickly. Like, yeah. there's... And Raph, Matt Reif, like, made a thing where he, like, started beef with this, like, six-year-old. And it was just, what? like, hilarious. Yeah. It, yeah. It was this whole thing. What and, like, on... World? And in his comment uh, to the six-year-old, he misspells, like, all of these words because he was, like, probably just typing it in a rage. That's kind of funny. And I'm just... I know. And it's, it's funny, but it's also, like, dude, if you had just taken <sighs> yeah. a second... To read what you were writing yeah. and to think about it, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have posted that. Yeah. Um, unless he's just really that intent on protecting himself. But yeah. for me, I know that I've made jokes before or I've made, I've said some sort of comment. And typically, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I didn't really like that thing that you said... I am automatically like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, tell me why. Yeah, tell help me, me understand. Yeah, help me understand why this, like, and um, that's happened before, too, if, like, I misgender somebody yeah. uh, on accident. Or, pronouns or, or their whatever. pronouns. Yeah. And if somebody can respectfully come up to me and say, hey, actually, th- um, this person is a they, them, not a she, they. I would be like, oh my god, I'm so thank sorry. You thank you know. for letting me know and thank you for correcting me. I will absolutely get it right from now on. Yeah. There is something much more graceful mm-hmm. and um, just great about yeah. humbling yourself and apologizing than being defensive and protective about your ego mm-hmm. and how you're perceived, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, when we see Ken bring patriarchy to... Barbie land the thing that I was most struck was the transition from that kind of golden retriever boyfriend energy to abusive like it was so quick yeah and it's interesting because they they don't have an established relationship too Mm -hmm. or at least we don't see it because we see her we see her turn him away because it's girls night Mm -hmm. and we see him wanting like her validation but we don't ever get the like title of like long term low commitment whatever <laughs> girlfriend boyfriend until later and it's supposed to be a joke so it's interesting that we do because mm-hmm. I picked up on that too we see like more of a golden retriever like I want your approval mm-hmm. I want us to be close I admire you kind of energy too you've hurt me and now I'm gonna hurt you mm-hmm. which is what I'm he gonna, does when he takes over everything yeah. I'm gonna mean narcissistic and I'm gonna treat you like you are beneath me yeah. in fact I'm gonna treat all of the Barbies like they're beneath me and I'm gonna raise up the Kens to this certain level mm-hmm. and we're dressing completely differently and we're yes. in your space we're like actually in your dream mm-hmm. houses like a, yeah. a whole physical transformation and that's a very common dynamic unfortunately with a lot of abusive relationships is the man kind of will take control um and again not to say that the woman couldn't be the abuser in the relationship just we're just using this as an example because this was the example in the film was ken taking the role of the abuser and taking um the role of the narcissist where he wanted everything to be about him he wanted the mojo dojo casa house to be mm-hmm. a personification of patriarchy and horses yeah after he learned all of the and things he instead learned. of making his own space he yeah. decided to further hurt barbie and further push his narcissistic agenda by using her house yeah and by transforming her house because i've thought about that a lot of how he could have used his own house for it we don't know if he has a we, house though like, i've thought true. about that too that's true but but it's interesting but, yeah or like he, he could have built like i think it would have been funny if he built like a little shack that said like ken's do not Something come in like new. yeah like barbies yeah. can't come in or that whatever would be funny. like that would have been yeah. funny but instead he completely took over her space and that's and 
made a message it, yes, being sent and own, made it sure. his own and it just it it gave me it gave me the ick yeah it made <laughs> that's the part of the movie that every time i've seen it like starts to fill me with the most emotion other than the beautiful scene with barbie on the bench and the right. old woman because it literally like filled me with a kind of frustration to want to reach out and be like stop you're in her space like you don't have the right to mm-hmm. take over that you have the right to form your own thoughts on patriarchy after learning about it but you don't have the right to go and literally invade mm-hmm. her and every other barbie space when she was literally gone too yeah like she wasn't around to do anything about it and she came back to this discovery with these two new friends from the real world that she brought that just had mm-hmm. to like look around yeah so like that part really like gets me emotionally riled up for all those yeah he didn't share his thoughts with barbie they didn't he didn't allow a conversation to take place he just installed patriarchy and installed a kendom yeah instead of barbie land while she was gone because i think he knew that she Mm -hmm. wouldn't go along with it yeah or he was just like i'm gonna do this because i'm sick of it Mm -hmm. like yeah because i want to so i'm gonna do it it just bothers me you know like it bothers me how he also treated the other barbies because yeah even earlier in the film when when the barbies and kens are all hanging out and whatever the kens are all treated well they're all treated fairly they're all treated like best friends like they're all dancing together dance the night away yeah um (laughs) they're all having yeah (laughs) clap clap and they're all having a good time like obviously the kens are competing like for that little like yeah, the segment. Little dance. I love that. But in this reality, in the patriarchy and in the kingdom, the Barbies are treated like servants. They're like demeaning roles. Yeah, and times. demeaning. Their and clothing even, as well. Yeah, their clothing is demeaning. And even the way that they're spoken to uh-huh. is really demeaning. Like the whole, like, you haven't seen the Godfather yeah. and mansplaining that whole thing. Which is I, part of the comedic relief, but like still, yes. it's there. It's because it is so painfully real yeah is what made me so uncomfortable the women are laughing in the theater while the men are maybe a little more uncomfortable because it is real yeah because we were all like like especially um like younger women are like oh yeah mm -hmm, yeah this is how how it is yeah and i've had a friend who's gone through this if not you like it's just like things you've heard before and then their the guy's reaction was typically either to laugh along with it and completely miss the message or potentially to get uncomfortable or to get defensive yeah. Because they're like, well, that's that's not how it is. Like they're making us seem like the villains, and I'm, yeah, I can't completely blame them though for no. like having that kind of reaction because it was kind of like mm-hmm. put on blast. Like here it is. Like yeah, it's not great. To, and that like, is the problem at, with but, movies is they yeah. they exaggerate everything yes, and they embellish for the everything. For, being yeah, <laughs> for the sake of ratings and for the sake of views and symbolism and Greta Gerwig's mm-hmm. point too, or yeah. her meaning. Yeah, so I I completely understand that perspective, too. Um, It was definitely over the top, Mm -hmm. but it got the message across, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, So we have that, we have patriarchy and all of that, and then Ken eventually realizes he doesn't need Barbie to be happy and complete. He doesn't need the relationship. He is enough on his own, but it takes Barbie to actually show him this. So it's like he couldn't come to the conclusion on his own, which bothers me um, it's kind of hard because even even then barbie is still like teaching him how to be a mature adult <laughs> when when she um communicated that she wanted a friendship not a like which is a type of relationship but mm-hmm. not a romantic relationship in mm-hmm. which it, there's just like the clear difference there but she still had to end up being the one to kind of like forcefully be mm-hmm. like hey you and me being physical and romantic is not the answer here mm-hmm so it's interesting that he couldn't come to that conclusion on his own, but like 
it also, I think, is beautiful that he does come to the conclusion and then we get the growth from that. But Barbie had to help him out yeah. with that. So there's like further nuances there. And I think I'm biased because of my last relationship, but yeah, I really feel sense. like that it's it's just I get so mad when one partner is feeling the responsibility to teach their other partner everything. I just yeah. think it's 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 irresponsible and mm-hmm. if if both partners are not equally able to communicate and emotionally regulate like it's fine I guess if you guys have been dating for like two weeks like it it makes more sense if you have been together for a long time and it's still not improving like the communication is still not improving one partner is acting severely immature compared to the other Mm -hmm. maybe one partner is doing all of the chores and all of the tasks Mm -hmm. and the other partner is acting just immature and and whatever yeah whatever maybe I think that that needs to to be a moment where you just go okay wait a minute I don't want to teach anymore I don't want to be the teacher in fact in yeah, friends that's a different kind of relationship in friends one of the relationships that I loved the most was Monica and Chandler mm-hmm. because it felt very real yeah. and Monica at one point says to Chandler because he says okay tell me what to do to fix it yeah and she says I'm tired of being your relationship tutor yeah I loved that moment because it's like that's what we do is yeah. We try to tutor our partners. We try to train them mm-hmm. to become perfect or to become the partner that we want. Envisioning. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of not fair on that partner to try mm-hmm. and force them into that. Because if they're not ready to yeah. be a mature adult and they're not ready to have those conversations and to be mature and on the level of the other partner, mm-hmm. it's it's not fair on them because yeah. it's forcing them to it's grow forcing. up too fast. Yeah. So... It's just an interesting dynamic, I mm-hmm. feel like. Um, and we where, see some of it in Barbie and Ken. Yes, and we do, because Barbie takes it upon herself to feel like she has to teach Ken on why he's okay on his own. Yeah. Because she was acceptant of that from yeah. the very beginning. And she was like, yeah, from the beginning, but then like learned even more about herself and mm-hmm. was coming to the conclusion that she wanted to be human. So it was like she learned these things and was trying to teach them to and, him. He was crying on her bed in a misunderstanding, yeah. and he even makes an immediate mistake and tries to kiss her. Yes. And she's like, no, no. He's, like, reverting back to what yes. he thinks he knows. He's like, yeah. no, no, remember, like, that's not what I just said. Like, yeah. I, I'm saying we don't have to be physical. We don't have to yeah. be in a relationship. Yeah. We can it's be a loaded separate. And Yeah, it's a very loaded conversation. But um, I think that we underestimate the importance and the power of couples therapy. <laughs> yeah. And, we don't see that in the movie, yeah, but, and like, yeah. Even, and even if, like... Both partners or one partner has not had or experienced trauma. Yeah. It's still a good idea to talk to a couple's therapist or to um, just a therapist in general so yeah. that you can or go to a workshop on communication because no matter how good you think you are at communication, everybody's different. Yeah. So you're going to communicate differently from your partner no matter what because you guys are completely two different people. Yeah. So it's... I don't know. There's just an interesting dichotomy there, and I feel like we need to get away from one is teaching the other type of thing because it yeah. just it does not end well. Yeah. One of them, like the person teaching, will feel drained and they'll mm-hmm. be start building resentment because it's like I'm teaching you this. How yeah. come you're not glomming onto it? The other person is like, stop trying to control me. Yeah, stop trying to be a teacher. Be, there has to be an understanding of like. Because I think there's teaching moments throughout any relationship mm-hmm. as you learn about each other. But if it's in continuation and there isn't actual growth coming from it, then it's like a, it becomes an issue. But yes. Every relationship is different, so it gets complicated. But I agree. Mm-hmm. 
I think that Ken in this movie is kind of split into two. I think that there's kind of two different sides of Ken that we can explore. Mm -hmm. And the first one is the one that I um, mentioned earlier, like the alpha male, Mm -hmm. um, which is also strongly connected to toxic masculinity. Um, Like in the beginning of the film and during the dance scene, um, as well as kind of around the fire pit, we see how Ken tries mm-hmm. to exert his dominance um, over the other Kens and Barbie. Like she, Making she's his house in her house. Yes, things like that. she's texting another Ken. He takes <laughs> yeah. her phone and freaks out and goes Ken. Yes, and so gets good. really mad while the other and all the other Barbies are rotating Kens yeah. so that they can sing their that song to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Um, but in fact, it's not just Ryan's Ken that does this. It's all of the Kens. Simu mm-hmm. Ken does this mm-hmm. and tries to manipulate the other Barbies. Um, all of the all other of Kens. Because there's, yeah. there's that other Ken who mansplains about the Godfather. Mm-hmm. They all are in this together. And it's kind of like a mm-hmm. it, it spread like a mob mentality yes. kind of thing. That's they're not all even, battling. The connotation of that's not great. I don't want it to sound like this is like a group of men and therefore they're a mob. But like through the mist. Through the <laughs> that's <wood. laughs> Like, that's not what I'm trying to say, but, like, if it came from Ken, the one with the knowledge from the real world, Mm -hmm. and then he was kind of, like, in this alpha male role, and he's Mm -hmm. at the front of this metaphorical and physical crowd of other Mm -hmm. Kens, it's spreading to them, and then they're all acting the same way, so we see how Mm -hmm. it's, like, a big group mindset. Yes, and in that whole dance fight thing, it's like, they're all alpha males, all trying to compete for for dominance, and all trying to do that. at the top. But that was like what was going on mm-hmm. in terms of, and that's actually the how the Barbies won because yes. they they knew turn them against yeah each other. they knew that they could turn them against each other because the Kens would rather fight for dominance and fight to be the alpha than work together versus yeah, the Barbies were all willing to work together. Yeah, we see them working together in tandem, like to unbrainwash them as mm-hmm. well as literally like be in the the capital i think it is or like yeah. whatever, the building that they were going to have the big vote for where they yeah. like hold uh court and stuff so like they were working together doing all of that mm-hmm. yeah it's a very stark contrast like these two groups that have formed whereas before in barbie land it was like commingling and community mm-hmm. and equality um and then we like see a literal war happening on the malibu beach between mm-hmm. the kens and then all of the barbies including weird barbie who's been yep who's here, these two real women from mm-hmm. the real world, like all of them over here. So it's two very different groups. And even Alan. Even Alan's Alan with the Barbies there. and he's like, go You're team. You're so right, yes. He's Alan like, go is, team. He does a great job. Yeah, because he, he doesn't fall into the alpha male category. Yeah, he's over here in this group. Yeah, mm-hmm. he doesn't fall into that category. Yeah. I think that the Barbie movie did a really good job of kind of like at least starting the conversation about toxic masculinity. Because it's a big conversation. Yeah, and one of the best ways I feel like they showed it is how like with toxic masculinity, there's that whole thing of men can't be sensitive. Men can't do this. Don't show your emotions. Men have to be tough. You have to be a Uh gym bro. Men can't wear pink or you can't like the color pink for some stupid reason. Yeah, and. and in fact, I actually saw a video the other day of this dad who took his son to go get their nails done together. Oh, it was so sweet. And he was, he, it was teaching my son the importance of self-care was oh, like really the caption. Like and I was like, absolutely. Really, yeah. When, when did we think or decide that, um, that getting your nails done is feminine? For women. Yeah, yeah. Like why did we, when did we come up be. with it? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, what they think is like the whole, like, you know, like 
being gay is bad. You yeah. have to be tough. You have to be straight. You have to be, like, only, like, girls, whatever. Mm-hmm. And how, like, you can't wear pink because pink is gay. Pink is just not what guys wear. And if Barbie wears pink, then that's feminine. Yes. So there's the femininity that's already claimed by Barbie's wearing pink, mm-hmm. all of that. And what I thought was really interesting, and I didn't even think about this until yesterday, like, as I was uh-huh. remembering the, the film was when they go back to to the Kendom or whatever, yeah. when patriarchy's been established, none of the Kens are wearing any bright colors anymore. Yeah, in that's the beginning, something subtle that I didn't notice at first either. In the beginning of the film, they're wearing pinks, they're wearing pastel blues, pastel blues white. whites, they're wearing what some might say are historically feminine colors, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um but now they're wearing leather pants. Yeah. They're wearing denim, everything. Yeah. Bandanas, Bandanas around yeah. their heads, um, like rhinestones or whatever, and yeah. just like black. There's a lot of black. So they transition from these clothes that they were happy in, like the pinks and the yellows and the blues and the mm-hmm. whites, into cool clothes yeah. and tough guy clothes. It was like reflecting the mm-hmm. new mentality of what the kingdom was like supposed to stand mm-hmm. for, kind of. And thing. how they're they, what they stand on, and mm-hmm. how how different they are. But then once they all accept who they are, they're all yeah. wearing rainbow clothes again. Yeah, we're and back to the brighter colors. We're back and all to the, the colors. Yeah, we're back to the we're back to the vivid colors. We're back to the brightness, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I just, I thought that was very interesting symbolism done by the costume department. Because when I think alpha male, I think um, a tall gym bro with a tank top um, (laughs) that the armpits are so low that you can see every single inch of their their side. So it's Uh really not covering anything. Um, Sweatpants that hang really low on the hips. Mm. um, A backwards baseball hat. And some shoe brand. I don't know. Um, and like a gold chain around the neck and like, that's just like what I, what I imagine because of just people that I've met Mm -hmm. in my life and talked to, um, or the idea of what masculinity is supposed to be that's been adopted by a lot of men. Right. People think that masculinity, like just how people think that femininity is wearing dresses and wearing yeah, an makeup. idea for what femininity yes. looks like as well. And I think that we need to get rid of that. I would like to get rid of that stigma because... I already see yeah. it happening Because personally, as a girl, I love not wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. I love wearing sweatpants. I love not having to look pretty all the time. Yeah. But there's that standard where it's like, oh, you're a woman. You have to be pretty. You have to have mm-hmm. makeup on. But you can't wear too much makeup either because otherwise you look like a clown. Um, like going back... Going going back to that first episode we talked about. But it's the same thing for men. Men are held to a ridiculous double standard of you can't cry. You can't wear bright colors. You can't be sensitive. You can't um, be, you can't express love and and romance. Mm -hmm. You have to exert dominance and control over your partner and over your friend group. Um, it's cool to do drugs and to play with guns and mm-hmm. to all sorts of ideas. and and violence. Like it's it's cool to be a violent person. Yeah. Is kind of what I think when I think of the idea of masculinity. Where do you mm-hmm. think that comes from? Like where do you think the distorted view of feminism and masculinity comes from? I honestly don't have an answer like right away. I think it's come from a lot of the idea of like men and women having a lot of so many differences that there Mm -hmm. needs to be the idea of like being able to tell like this is strictly for men and strictly for women and therefore in heterosexual 
relationships, there's strictly, like, the two roles that are mm-hmm. played. Um, that's just, like, one way to look at it. But I also think that we, since I can't completely, like, answer that question with, like, all sorts of, like, historical facts and ideas from, like, research people have probably done to try to figure that out, mm-hmm. is that if we have continue on the, like, success and progression that I think we've made and, like, beginning to not see certain colors as being for certain genders or certain mm-hmm. ideas of gender and, like, allowing people to feel comfortable in any sort of, like, clothing that is helping them to express themselves, whether that also be, like, tattoos and piercings and, like, who's supposed to mm-hmm. or not supposed to have things like that and where they're visible. Like, I think that if we continue with the progression of helping people feel more um, comfortable expressing themselves like that, we'll continue to see almost like an empowerment of being of people being able to just figure out how they feel comfortable existing in this mm-hmm. world whether or not they're wearing pink but they should be wearing blue if that's the way you yeah. want to put it like it doesn't like we can kind of take empowerment from like you said like deciding that you don't want to wear makeup because you maybe even feel more confident without it but are you know have been told in the past or have really deeply instilled ideas from all sorts of media that you should be wearing makeup mm-hmm. but you like find a little bit of empowerment in going I still feel beautiful and feminine and whatever the definition of that is for me without this on and therefore mm-hmm. like I'm taking a little bit of power back from what I'm like quote supposed to be doing supposed to be same thing for men I can't speak to it as much on like what that example might look like not because <laughs> yeah because I can picture and like put myself in the shoes of something similar to like the not wearing makeup thing Mm -hmm. I personally like to wear a little bit more makeup because I just feel like it I feel more comfortable enhancing certain features but not like having to put a lot on Mm -hmm. but maybe it would be like a certain kind of style of clothing that I feel more comfortable in or something like that Mm -hmm. and something similar for men like there are other examples that maybe someone could share with us that they've like personally had to that would be like something equivalent to it but like finding a way to figure out how you feel comfortable in your own skin. And I think that we start to see that. And like you were saying, like the symbolism of the costume department is, it's really cool that at the end they're all wearing a bunch of colors Mm -hmm. and they're bright and Mm -hmm. they're like when they're all standing in a crowd at the end too, like it's, it's not drab. It like reflects the really bright pink and purple, like Mm -hmm. dream houses. And so, yeah, I mean like that's, there's a lot more to that conversation, but that's what I have to say about that. I'm mm-hmm. also about to sneeze, so I can, okay. <laughs> I can feel it coming. Bless um, you in advance. It was like burning in my nose. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it went away. Okay, okay thank you. good. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because if we look back through history, we kind of see that the stereotypes, the standards have been reinforced and enforced for pretty much as long as I can even remember like it just yeah, the fact of like women had to wear dresses society women had to was be a lot stricter certain yeah. times when like women would come out and be presented for marriage when mm-hmm. marriage looked very different as well so men that's part could of it. rule as kings men could vote versus women couldn't yeah a and lot has changed i think and this might um this might offend some people but i don't care that's okay <laughs> um, i think a lot of what we think femininity and masculinity is supposed to be comes from a misunderstanding of scripture mm-hmm. and of the bible yeah um i think that over time and over history we have taken certain verses and certain things from the bible out of context in mm-hmm. order to fit those standards those stereotypes those agendas Definitely. for example there 
people constantly use um, scripture from the Bible as to why men are the head of the house uh-huh. and should be the head of the house and wives submit to your husbands. Yeah, and that word is easy. All a husband has to do is love their wives and that's fine. But the the man is the head of the house mm-hmm. and and reinforces the idea of the wife's job is to be a wife, a mother, um, mm-hmm. the supporter of of the husband and how in the case of Adam and Eve... Eve is Adam's helper, that yeah. it was that Adam was the only one companion. who was supposed to be, and Eve was only ever meant to be his companion. Mm-hmm. And I remember John Mark Comer did a really interesting study. Um, and by the way, for those listening, Meg and I are both Christians, so we both believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that we don't have our own opinions and yeah. views about things. So, Religion in general and the church and all that. Yeah, if we think back to, and I don't remember what this was, I think it was a Bible study that I did a while back, where it talked about the Garden of Eden and how large of an expanse it was. Like, it wasn't yeah. just this tiny little, little space. That we might picture. Yeah, that we might picture. It was... It, realistically it could have been like the size of america like Mm -hmm. in in all honesty i don't and what john mark comer put forth is he was like why would god create just a companion for adam because that's a lot of work for adam to do on his own Mm -hmm. he created adam adam and eve so that they could do the work together yeah a partnership not as a companion and a leader but as a partnership like you just said it was for adam and eve to share the burden together Mm -hmm. and for them both to harvest the land and take care of the land and to take care of eden Mm -hmm. so that's his interpretation of scripture just how some people have interpreted scripture to be like no eve is the companion she was always meant to be the companion she is lesser than adam and therefore women are lesser than men Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it's come from and unfortunately i think a lot of churches nowadays kind of reinforce that just like how they have certain agendas and it helps with that just how like they misinterpret other verses and use that for their agenda and for for preaching but certain sermons potentially yeah yeah it happens and it's i don't the word easy is maybe not quite Mm -hmm. right but like it's easy to want or to do that when Mm -hmm. you can frame it a certain way yeah and it it would be a lie to say that that hasn't happened mm-hmm. throughout history. So. And I like to come at it from a stance of, I don't know anything. Uh-huh. I, I like to come at scripture and at reading the Bible, like I'm not the one who wrote it. So yeah. why do I pretend like and I know what it is? you didn't live in the historical mm-hmm. and social and political time that it was written in, which I think, I think that I really like that frame of reference because like not, all, you can do all of the research that you want. And like, I mean, if I had all the time in the world, I would, Mm-hmm. To devote myself to understanding as much as I can what kind of person or woman in, like, the same time as all of these mm-hmm. um, biblical authors would be writing it. Like, if I were there and I was reading this, like, how would I be looking at the world? How would I be looking at myself and the men around me and the idea of a savior and God? And, like, if I had all the time in the world to get to that place, I would because I would want to be able to view the Bible that way. But because... Mm-hmm. We just can't do that because we live in such a different time. You just have to keep the historical and social and mm-hmm. political context that you're aware of in mind when you hear other sermons and mm-hmm. you're thinking about how verses are being um, displayed and talked about and like what kind of social thing they might be like connecting it to mm-hmm. and just like how they're, everything is nuanced. And that goes along with like 
verses that may talk about relationships between men and women, mm-hmm. what that is supposed to look like right. or what is standardized. Um, yeah, it's such yeah. a because we're big not Paul, we're not Peter, yeah. we're not James. We don't know mm-hmm. what the intention was behind their writing. Yeah. We don't you know. It we don't know so what ways. God was teaching them in that moment. We don't know the context yeah. of what they were writing. Yeah. So we may who believe are that we, we do, but not yeah. entirely. Who are we to assume that we know scripture so well that mm-hmm. we can take a teaching from Paul or from James or Peter and use it for our own definition, even if we literally have no understanding for the context of when it happened. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm like, I'm gonna come at it from a stance of I don't know anything. And I'm going to save all of my questions for God. And I'm the just going to... The primary source. Yes, and the primary source of information. <laughs> and I'm going to go off of the first and second greatest commandment in Scripture. Yeah. And the first and greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. I believe that that triumphs over all of the other rules. Because they're the first two. Because that's what Jesus said. Like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, like, this, this, the, if you remember nothing else, remember these two commandments. And I'm like, perfect. I can love other people, yeah. no problem. And I, and I can love God, no problem. He never said to be pharisaical about mm-hmm. it. He never said to judge women, to judge um, LGBT people. Mm-hmm. He never, he never told us to be a capitalist nation it's just like yeah. all of it and he he also told us to make peace so there's that but like we are all yeah. just always violent and at each other's throats but yep it's hard when those two <clears throat> commandments are simple and clear and are you know there are mm-hmm. moments when they're easier to follow than others but other moments where there might be the hardest thing in the world to want to love others as yourself and maybe you aren't loving yourself that much mm-hmm. or whatever kind of reason it might be but i think that definitely reflects like male and female relationships as well but also reflects on things that jesus couldn't Mm -hmm. have spoken to because you know he was in a certain time and place but um and like things that are going on today like you were saying like passing judgment on certain groups of people Mm -hmm. for actions or identities or who they're loving things like that because two commandments that are talking about having love and peace at the center are things that are universal Mm -hmm. and transcend time so if you look at it that way, it's still, you have to still be careful how you're applying yeah. it to society. But like, it does really boil down to those two very important things. Mm-hmm. The so. moral the moral of the story is, whether it comes to scripture, whether it comes to a news st- story, um, be careful how you interpret something mm-hmm. and be careful of how you interpret that to other people. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's different. Everybody has a different perception but when you are in a position of power, like a um, senator, a representative, a judge, a pastor, mm-hmm. and you claim something as truth, like you say something and you say that it is truth, there are people who are going to follow you and who when are going to believe that position. as truth. Yeah, and Knowing you have power is important. That is dangerous because yeah. that can lead to mass manipulation and it can just, it can lead to a whole mess of issues. So if you're going to interpret something, do it very carefully and do it responsibly, mm-hmm. especially if you are teaching on it to somebody else. 
Always yeah. look for other sources. Always look for other sides of the story. Never convince yourself that only one side is correct without having looked at the other side. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't choose a side of something without fully understanding what's on the other side. And yeah. if you don't fully understand what's on either side, don't take a stand. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that people need to know is if you don't fully understand the context of a conflict or something that's going on, do not take a stand on it. Yeah, or do your best to just do as much research as you can mm-hmm. before you decide to take a public or very large stance just because of the fact that it might go on to create more conflict or hurt people, mm-hmm. um, which is the, it makes me think about how we've um, communicated that we're women talking about our experiences as women, and that's mm-hmm. something that we can understand, but as we move into topics like today's literally centered on Ken who is a man mm-hmm. and has symbolism of male centric and male related things we can only go so far as to observe what the movie gives us and the right. symbolism that we interpreted and what we think we can speak on in terms of like our own experiences that relate to that but um we can't go so far as to say that we know for certain um that there are things that we can speak on as experts because we just simply can't so yeah and i and like i said we're and like we said before in our first episode we're 22 and 23 we're young and like meg said we're women so we are not coming at this from a stance of we know everything we are just reiterating our own experience and our own opinions so you do not have to take anything that we say to heart you don't have to take anything we say as truth like it's it's really just our opinion and our experience and we're sharing our opinion and our experience because we hope that it helps other people and opens up this discourse about toxic masculinity about feminism and allows us to start having the difficult conversation yeah so that's kind of just the whole point of that i think that segues well into the second part of um like viewing ken the Mm -hmm. first part was the alpha male and like toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. kind of thing and then the second part is kind of um like being said is the unseen like mm-hmm. the unseen parts of Ken is kind of that other side because we see that a large part of the frustration that Ken is feeling that kind of like bubbles up and then really you see it when he's like in this mojo dojo casa house mindset mm-hmm. it's bubbling up in the film and it's occurring because he largely feels unseen and unacknowledged by Barbie when mm-hmm. we're seeing how much he craves her attention and her validation and mm-hmm. admires her um, a lot of that a lot of the character that Ryan Gosling portrays in this figure of Ken is hinged on that. And Mm -hmm. that's not to say that that is what women want men to always be like, always be like doting and admiring, like Mm -hmm. not saying that at all. It's just the Ken that Ryan Gosling portrays. And I think that's really an important part of understanding what the movie's trying to say and what the movie's not trying to say about what men should do or look like in relationships Mm -hmm. or approach women like I think a lot of that is really important but this Ken this Ryan Gosling's Ken um is focused on that traditional stereotype that he and Barbie are supposed to be together in a Mm -hmm. relationship that's romantic um which goes back to what we were talking about how Barbie helps him realize Mm -hmm. that he's okay on his own and all the Kens eventually come to that realization as well as the Barbies 
Um, and yeah, something that I think is interesting is he never came up with that on his own. That's the standard that Mattel put out because Ken and Barbie were always advertised True. together. And they do talk about how it's like it's supposed to be Barbie and Ken. Mm-hmm. Like they use that verbiage of but like this is the phrase and Barbie and Ken. So like he has that instilled in his brain. And that's why when he tries to kiss her in the beginning, and he's she's oh, like, yeah. "What are you doing?" And he's like, "She wasn't. Aware I don't know. He was because yeah. he says I don't know because it's You're not right. even him." Doing it because he wants to. Yeah. It's he's he's following along with what he thinks is supposed to happen. Yeah, that's a really good point because he literally is like, I don't actually mm-hmm. really know what yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I, yeah, I'm actually not sure. I, yeah, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd stay over tonight. Why? Because to, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. To do what? I'm actually not sure. sure. <laughs> because he it and it's it's funny and comedic, but it's also like he's not doing it. Out of for his own, for himself or for yeah. his own agenda, he's he's going along with what he thinks is supposed to happen because of what has been taught to him. Yeah, and then that stems into these fears and emotions that he has that are directly related to what's supposed to happen, and then reflected in what we see in the movies, not what happens, mm-hmm. because Barbie's over here doing her own thing, figuring mm-hmm. out who she is, understanding of her own emotions, and then that leads to the first part we were talking about, which is more of that. Um, kind of more dominating presence and the literal installation of patriarchy as he understands it and the mess that is created in terms of just like Barbie land being turned into something completely different. Mm -hmm. So we definitely see that. Um, But I I think that it's a fun image to realize that Ken seems to be like truly happiest in the film when he gets kissed on the (laughs) cheek by the other Kens. And then also it's like that great scene where he's going down the slide and he's like, yay! Like with his arms in the air, like he's full of joy mm-hmm. in that moment in his I am Kenuff sweatshirt that he puts on soon after Which after this I realization. I it's know so, I literally it's love it. It's so cute. It's so cute. And as soon as I saw that I said, That's gonna be a bestseller. That's gonna be a yep. piece of merchandise that is going to just be everywhere. Yep. All the time. And this Halloween was fun watching a bunch <laughs> oh, of so a bunch of guys wear their Ken sweatshirts. So and I had Barbie, yep, yeah. I had a lot of fun this Halloween saying, Hi Ken. Oh, I had so much and fun. And hi, Barbie. That. I had people. so much fun at the movie, too. I had so yes, many Yes, agreed. Um, but yeah, we see that he he's loved and accepted in that scene, mm-hmm. in that bright clothing, which goes back to that other conversation, after the realization that Barbie helped him get to. It's like we're seeing the resolution for Ken be positive because mm-hmm. there was self-growth, which I think is important and mm-hmm. like speaks to how all of us can have moments of self-growth where we're doing what's best for ourselves and understanding our own value, but also learning how to productively be in relationships with the people around us. Like mm-hmm. he's learned the boundaries that Barbie has set up, even though, you know, it was kind of unfortunate that Barbie had to help him along the way with some right. things when it wasn't maybe her responsibility, one could argue, yeah, but it like, wasn't. yeah, well, we see, we see that she still cares about him as a friend though. So part of, the argument is mm-hmm. hard because she still cares about him enough to want to help him like that. Mm-hmm. And she can't completely cut him off. I guess she no. could. But, like, she wouldn't do that. So helping him get to that place of self-growth, and, I think, is really helpful. And it is and it is a friend's job to keep your friends accountable. Like, it is... There's... there's but I just... I think there's a difference between keeping somebody else accountable and teaching them how to do... Like, how mm-hmm. to live and how to do life and how to be a responsible, mature yeah. adult. And hopefully and we see, we see because we haven't watched the rest of the film and there isn't more to watch, hopefully we see that Ken goes on to, like, be able to make better decisions mm-hmm. for his own well-being and Barbie land as we know it and all of the Kens without Barbie needing to be there holding mm-hmm. his hand along the way, metaphorically. Yeah. 
but hopefully we see that, you know, and like mm-hmm. hopefully what we saw with her helping him is supposed to kind of be foreshadowing to the fact that when Barbie leaves, because she physically like leaves, leaves, Ken continues on a journey that is mm-hmm. productive for himself. Like yeah. hopefully that would that's ideally what I'm hoping for Ken because yeah. I grew an attachment to him watching the movie and mm-hmm. I also just want that for him mm-hmm. as I would most people want him like to everybody. Be happy. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I want him to live his best little Ken life. Yeah, yeah. He's living his best Ken life in his Kenneth sweatshirt, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I like that phrase that I am Kenneth and I think it's universal for all of us even if we're not Ken like you male know male or I mean? female Ken yeah male Barbie. and female Ken Barbie whatever exactly it's just it's about accepting Alan? who we are Alan um <laughs> and realizing that we don't need other people to be happy that we are kind of in charge of our own destiny we are in charge of our own happiness we are enough yeah. on our own and I I like that message because. It is kind of hard sometimes to think about, like, oh, I want to be in a relationship, or I want, mm-hmm. like, so, like a lot of us, and even myself, like, found value in myself of being in a relationship, and then yeah. you get out of the relationship, and you're like, well, then who what am I? I do now? Yeah. What's my identity now that I'm not in a relationship? And it's really coming to terms with yourself and, and accepting that mm-hmm. you are enough on your own, and that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it completely reminds me of that, because it's... Like, the value of you being a human being existing mm-hmm. and not having to bring value because you bring another human being with you who's a partner. Mm-hmm. Even though that is a beautiful and glorious thing that humans do life together and we are blessed to have partners, whether that be in friendships or romantic pairings or family. Mm-hmm. Like, we're meant to do life together and be in community, but there is value in you existing on your own. That's where I am kind of comes from and I think Mm -hmm. that that phrase just like reiterates that and supports the idea that I think sometimes society is not the best at pushing forward but rather saying that it's really important and successful and socially like you've made it if you Mm -hmm. have a partner or you have somebody who seems like is the perfect match for you and together you're a power couple like that's definitely a phrase you hear a lot and so it's just important to find the balance between valuing those things because mm-hmm. doing life with people is important but also valuing yourself because you know you're mm-hmm. living your life and that's a beautiful thing whether or not it's with a partner mm-hmm. so each individual person is beautiful each individual person yeah. has intrinsic value yeah. and i feel like that value only grows when we team up with other people and when we yeah, when we grows. join forces it exists over here yeah. with this person by themselves but then other people bring it out mm-hmm. Of this one person, the power continues. Yeah. Like, I think of yeah. it as like a flashlight in a dark room. Mm-hmm. Because even if there's one flashlight, there's still light in the room. Yeah. You add more flashlights and yeah, the room's going to get lighter and more, light. more bright and more beautiful. But take those away and you still have the one flashlight. There's yeah. still light in the room. Mm-hmm. You can still see a little bit yeah, I like um, that. in the room. You can still read a book in mm-hmm. the dark um, <laughs> with a flashlight. Um, yeah. It's just we... Um, I think we've we've in like historically just been like oh it's more powerful when it's a couple or when it's the like a duo versus you can be independent by yourself and have just as much value and have just as much beauty and um power yeah there's pros and cons Mm -hmm. in every situation including this one (laughs) yes so we also wanted to, to mention something i think um, and from our discussions, we think that there is an extra bit of satire in the film um, related to Ken. And some women have talked about this too, like in discourse. Some disagree, some agree. 
that Ken's whole being unseen thing is a satire or a play on women in the real world. Mm-hmm. How, like, Ken is invisible in Barbie land and feels unseen, and that is supposed to replicate how we feel in the real world. Yeah. What would you say about that? I agree, because you can also see it as just being, like I've said before too, like, the way that Ryan Gosling played this Ken, it's like a very unique character because Ken has existed for a long time. Like this idea mm-hmm. of the Ken doll and how that is supposed to be paired with Barbie. That also goes back to what we were saying about how Ryan Gosling like decided to take the role. So he had a choice in how he was going to like basically embody this idea of Ken. And mm-hmm. I think the idea that was probably also paired with like Greta Gerwig's mind and genius was that let's mm-hmm. make this Ken feel like they have been pushed to the side Mm -hmm. for long enough that we get to the point where they learn about patriarchy, about this possibility of him finally being seen and not only being seen, but being like dominantly, yeah, in a place of power. And then eventually, you know, get to a place where there's more of a productive thing going on for everybody. But Mm -hmm. I think that that completely connects to the real world because historically women have been overlooked in a lot of different instances Mm -hmm. you can talk about things like wage gap and i mean where we're even seeing women in the workplace in the first place historically like when we started to see more women um, pursuing careers doing things beyond just being mothers even though that is not to say that that's not something noble for a woman to decide to do like we are going to talk about that yeah we are going to talk about that so that's just a little something Mm -hmm. for next time Mm -hmm. but all of that to say we've just seen We've seen how this satire can work because women have been Mm -hmm. overlooked in a lot of different instances, and it's just a fact. So I think then putting a male character in that role rather than a female character is doing the work of showing how this is happening. And I think that's where the confusion came from of this film is anti-men because it lifted up the Barbies. It lifted up the Barbies and versus Ken was mistreated, quote unquote, and was unseen and invisible. And so some guys who went and saw this film and believe like, oh, this this film is anti-men. They hate men. It's, It's not that. It's that they portrayed ken in a female experience like which yes it's it's kind of hard to explain but it's like that feeling of being unseen and of being pushed to the side is the female experience like yeah. that's what we know and that's what is just how it is in the, so in the real world man in the female experience or someone that's mm-hmm. supposed to be portrayed as a man in the mm-hmm. female experience it's then putting that on display mm-hmm but then doesn't guarantee that because they've done like a switch with what gender is supposed to be mm-hmm. where, that doesn't guarantee that everybody will have clarity. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, it's a gamble to decide to do that. Satire is always a gamble, I think. It's yes. not going to always land be understood, or yeah. be understood. So. And then it's just that's the thing is it's like I, I understand their outrage yeah. at it. And I'm like, but here's the thing, though. If you consider that it was actually a satire and showing you how women really feel in the real world, take that rage and take that anger and maybe help uh, introduce that into a discourse because it's like... Yeah, put that energy somewhere. Yeah, because if if a teenage guy is really upset about how they portrayed Ken in the movie and Mm -hmm. thinks it's anti-men, then realizes like, oh, actually... 
it's not anti-men, it's a satire and a reflection on how women are treated and seen in the yeah. real world, then it's, it's like, oh, I'm actually mad about that then. Yeah, it's, it's like a misplacement I, of anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're blaming the wrong thing, and we're we're placing our anger in the wrong place. We're, yeah. we're instead of using our anger to to look at equality and to look at maybe having women be treated better and having women be seen better, yeah. we, there's been a misplacement of, oh, well, anti-men and anti-blah, blah, blah, and it's just stupid and blah, and yeah. feminist agenda and whatever. It's a response that I think is expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I think it was definitely a, a well-meant bit of satire, uh-huh. but not a lot of people grasped it and I think it kind of not went over some people's heads but there was definitely a good amount of people who did not get the same message that others did yeah I definitely think I definitely agree with that and I also think maybe there was just enough uncomfortability in what it was portraying Mm -hmm. that an easier response was to just not talk about it or not acknowledge it Mm -hmm. for what it is saying which is also I just think a possibility Mm -hmm. to bring up because it is uncomfortable and it's like oh that's not great to realize that if this is supposed to reflect something that's going on with real women in the real world Mm -hmm. that's an issue and that's not always fun to talk about no issue really is fun to talk about but I just think that that's another way to look at it and it kind of goes along with the whole supreme court thing at the end of that's also the been comment. misunderstood because yeah. people we were talked about that the yeah because how people were angry with how the the whole female supreme court thing and how the the cans were not given any power and it's like no that's actually not what we want that's it's a completely misunderstanding yeah. and More it's satire. honestly hollywood is not perfect no. there's and even as we look over different films and books and plays like over the next several episodes we we just have to acknowledge that it's not perfect. Yeah. It's made by humans. Humans are inherently flawed beings. Yeah, so, and have specific viewpoints. So it's not it's not going to be perfectly understood by all and that's okay. Yeah. So and so the like the Supreme Court issue that we talked about last week, like we were or um not last week, last episode, um, how it was misunderstood by a lot of people and it made a lot of people really mad Mm -hmm. because they didn't understand that it's a reflection of oh like this is actually another satire of like oh women have no power in the real world so in barbie land ken's will have no power in the supreme court yeah and i get i get the message that they were trying to get across However, I feel like it was unnecessary. Yeah, because, which is what we said last yeah, time. So because, we're just saying what we yeah, said. Yeah, it's just reiterating from last time because we don't, we didn't need that little extra message, I think. I think we we got the message well enough on its own. Yeah. And it just, it was, it was not the greatest ending because that's what pitted a lot of guys against the movie yeah, was that last lasting end, perception. Yeah, it's a lasting impression mm-hmm. that comes from something near the end of the movie, so of course it's easier to remember that mm-hmm. than what we said before too. So yeah. yeah, but that just goes along with the idea of Ken and what um the other Kens mm-hmm. and a male centric society like definitely stems off of that. But So what are your overall thoughts and opinions about Ken? And just about um, his um, journey in the movie. I think it's very well done. And I think that he's endearing in a way that is not meant to 
cast an unfavorable light on men in general, but rather mm-hmm. show how there can be some positivity in feminine attributes in men because mm-hmm. we see that in Ken and we see how, you know, he doesn't do everything right. He actually makes some mistakes, but who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But rather, I think you can learn a lot from the mindset that Ken takes in that he truly listens to people, Barbie mainly, and then therefore changes his actions and um, is more productive in how he interacts with her. And like I was saying, hopefully beyond the movie, we're seeing like the seeds of growth being sown so that then he can continue to see himself as a valuable person in the Barbie land society, whatever that also ends up looking like, since mm-hmm. we see that, that like there's going to be changes made, which is like what's implied. Yeah. And I also think that his song is fantastic um, <laughs> and that his dancing and singing is great. And mm-hmm. that the EP that was recently released. Oh my gosh. I still, like I, three it's so good. Extra, like, it's basically yeah. just the same song, but the re recordings yeah. are great. Ken is for Barbie's eyes only, but, you're, for you, but for your ears. Or yes. Something. And then like, at the end, it's always like, Merry Christmas, Barbie, wherever you are. Like, I'm obsessed <laughs> with that. Like, I just love that the continuation of, like, Ryan Gosling's Ken is like a thing now and mm-hmm. like I just really think it's great and my overall thoughts are that it works well for the movie mm-hmm. and maybe not all the satire landed but I wasn't expecting it to because that's just not how mm-hmm. satire works so I think it's good overall yeah I didn't expect the journey to be what it was at all like like how yeah. we talked about in our first episode we didn't really know what to expect when we went into the Barbie movie. We thought maybe it'll be, like, yeah. stuff from our childhood. Maybe it'll be about how the doll was created. Like, we didn't yeah, know. Yeah, anything. So for, for it to be the message that it was and the journey that it was, I adored it. I yeah. thought it was incredibly well done. I thought the casting was perfect. Ryan did such an incredible job, and I... He is Ken. Like it's he, just no, like, but like in the interviews, he is Ken. He is literally Ken. Like it's just like the epitome of Ken. Yeah. But I, I, I like that it wasn't a Ken and Barbie are together, and or yeah. how he didn't act like Ken from Barbie in the Dreamhouse or anything like yeah. that. Like he just that's a different kind of Ken. It's a different Ken. Yeah, different Ken. Um, his job is house. Yeah, um, <laughs> his job is Dreamhouse. Dreamhouse. Um, it just yeah. I, I walked away very much liking it i i didn't dislike the character even yeah. after everything he did in the film that was kind of frowned upon or whatever i walked away going i love this character i think he's adorable and yeah. i want good things for him because he he just it's, just, it's ken and it's, it's ryan ken. ryan and i just can't you can't hate him you, no. you can't he's just he's, <laughs> he's too he's too cute and too great and i just yeah. all of that's how i felt with all the kens i was like you guys are too awesome i was yeah. like i can't even and even the, the guys at mattel i was like you guys all yeah. rock and i just want you all to have amazing lives yeah so <laughs> when ken's like waving to barbie goodbye yeah. like i'm just i know like, i love that i'm like you rock sir because i like on. how one second ago he was wearing something different and then all of a sudden he's wearing a shirt that like says I'm kind of like I just love that and he's just like he's like I know who I am now exactly and zen and whatever yeah it's meant to be hopeful mm-hmm. for the future yeah so overall I think it was incredibly well done really really great casting choice and yes. his chemistry with Margot was incredible like they just bounce off yes, of each is. other and his whole sublime oh, improv gosh. I was hoping <laughs> that at one point. finally my rainbow after the storm <laughs> Her milkshake brings, brings this boy to the yard. yard. <laughs> yeah, it's and like, so good. It just is... The chemistry is there. Beyond perfect. Yeah. Beyond perfect. 
So our next episode is going to be mainly focusing on on Weird Barbie, Alan, and Midge, and then our fourth and final installment of the Barbie uh, segment of our podcast is going to be about Barbie Land versus the real world. So yes. stay tuned for that. Um, as we said before, thank you guys so much for listening to us, for listening to our yeah. podcast. Um, if you would like to rate it five stars, you may <laughs> do so. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, I think, and Apple Podcasts, I believe. Um, and you can find both Meg and I on social media. And we'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear your remarks about this. We'd love to st- have a discourse about what we talk about in our podcast. Um, yeah. Thank we'd you guys. From, yeah. yeah, we'd love to hear from y'all. So thank you guys so much and see you in the next episode. Yeah. Bye. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.